Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Unplayable Podcast, proudly brought to you by MasterCard. And on today's episode, we recap the second Ashes Test here at Lords, where Australia and England played out a thrilling draw to see the Aussies preserve their 1-0 series lead with three test matches to play. Here to review all the action is cricket.com.au senior writer Andrew Ramsey. And we're at Lords, we're in the Spaceship Media press box, and uh, we just saw some great Ashes cricket. Extraordinary, wasn't it? Like we were a test match that had best part of two days lost to rain. You think, well, in any other time, you'd think, well, that's got taken care of that. That'll be a draw. But no, we had the uh, the grandstand finish, as it were, on a Sunday afternoon. Finished about uh, half past seven. There were people out there with candles mm. at the end. It was so dark. Joffre Archer was bowling so fast. Even during the daylight, no one could see it. So it was an extraordinary day all up. It's a very, very special day. And uh, we had a very special guest on this podcast. We're going to hear from him a little bit later on. Steve Waugh, your old sparring partner when you were covering uh, cricket in the 90s and early 2000s. So what was it like chatting to Steve? I mean, he's been with the squad for a, a month now, but his uh, tenure ends. Uh, yeah, always good to catch up with Stephen. I always found him to be a uh, a very straight shooter, good guy to deal with. Uh, very in- gave very interesting media conferences, um, and he and I share a rare bit of cricket memorabilia. My only ever defamation writ, in which he was the co-defendant, and he kindly signed a copy for me. I don't know whatever happened to it, but I can't go back to Barbados. That's all I know. <laughs> Fantastic. Before we hear from Steve War, Rambo, let's do our Mastercard moments of the match and. Uh, I might go first, and I want to go with that hostile spell of bowling from Joff Racher midway through the afternoon session on day four. I think it was clocked at an average of 92 miles an hour, which is, what, 150 kilometres per hour for our our Australian fans. Uh, uh, Just fantastic viewing. The crowd was on the edge of their seats. Uh, It did lead to the uh, fairly sickening blow of uh, Steve Smith in the back of the net, which had everyone very, very worried. Uh, He ended up... uh, having to retire hurt and then eventually be subbed out of the game as the very first uh, player to be uh, substituted due to concussion. Uh, but for that uh, eight-over spell, I mean, you just couldn't uh, take your eyes off the action. Uh, no, that was extraordinary too. And there'd been much hype about Jofra. There was some talk that he should play the first test in Edgbaston, but didn't. I think four overs into that match when Jimmy Anderson broke down, England were wishing they'd played him, but he certainly lived up to the hype here and... Uh, one of those stranger things that it, normally fast bowlers, express pace fast bowlers, are quick for their first few overs and they taper off. He seems to get quicker and quicker, not with just each passing over, but with every mm. subsequent spell. I've never seen anything quite like it. It's pretty extraordinary. Uh, what about you, Rainbow? Your MasterCard moment? Uh, MasterCard moment uh, probably was just today as a whole, really. I thought you know, it was five weeks to the very day since England won the World Cup here at Lords in fairly extraordinary circumstances. And uh, the, two, the two heroes of that were obviously Ben Stokes and Jofra Archer, as it turned out at the end. So it looked like it was history was going to repeat. They, mm. It was a test match that they um, had struggled to 
get in when they batted first. They bowled out reasonably cheaply, but then that looked to be a good score when they had Australia on the ropes. Suddenly they came out this morning and Ben Stokes made a remarkable century. Uh, put England, gave them allowed the chance to declare and set Australia a bit of a target. You didn't think that uh, a session and a half was enough to bowl them out, but they very nearly did it, thanks to Jofra. Joffre and Jack Leach taking three wickets each. Another one we might mention, uh, a third MasterCard moment, if you will. We'll share this one, so one and a half each. Uh, Joe Denley, spectacular catch to dismiss Tim Payne. Joffre Archer's third wicket. Payne pulls a short ball. Denley in the sun, the rare sun that shone in the last session here at uh, at Lord's, uh, jumps out of the air, plucks the ball. Uh, crowd goes wild. It was just one of those... Um, gasping moments it was fantastic it was uh, very reminiscent of a soccer goalkeeper or a football goalkeeper yeah. for those of uh, our listeners in the United Kingdom who don't know what soccer is um, very John Dyson-esque although he was sort of running yeah. backwards and throwing himself backwards Two this was hands. just a, yeah. a flung himself and the, the equally impressive part was how he then threw it behind his back as he yeah. sort of hit the ground he bounced to his feet and it was something of some sort of a circus trick uh, and Tim Payne could barely believe it, um, but that certainly left the game on a, a real knife edge at that point. Okay, that's it. Mastercard moment's done. Let's hear from Steve War. Steve, thanks for joining us. How about this test match? Yeah, it was a great test match. Um, exciting, and um, you know, I think the the crowds would love the the contests are out there between you know someone bowling ninety miles an hour and and batsmen having to survive that and trying to score runs. Um, you know, at the end there was. Tense for us from the Australian point of view was um, went down to the wire. So really exciting Test match. Uh, even though there was one day washed out, you still got four days of fantastic cricket. Steve, you played against some great fast bowlers in your time. What does it mean to, for a team to have that kind of firepower in their armoury? Yeah, it gives you the X factor. As a captain, you really want that sort of bowl in your lineup where you know you can intimidate the opposition. You can make things happen when it's seemingly a flat pitch, um, and potentially you can you can get wickets in clumps. So yeah, he's a real asset to to England. Um, yeah, if he plays four test matches in a row, that'll, um, I guess, test him out. So far, he's come through flying colours, 40 overs, and each over was probably as quick as the previous one. So a very impressive debut, but, um, you know, I know the test cricket, it's um, it's about longevity and um, and how you back up and how you handle different conditions. But um, from England's point of view, so far, so good. So is he a bit unique? Like, he's got that very easy run in, and, but it generates a huge pace. Did he remind you of anyone? Yeah, look, um, I can't say I've ever seen him on bowl like that. He just sort of ambles in and um, gets very close to crease, makes the most of his height. He's got a simple action. Um, in a lot of ways, not a similar action to Glenn McGrath, but very repeatable, his action. So I can't see too much going wrong with it. That's a, And his control was very good for that reason because it's, he just bowls in a direct line and he's close to stumps, very upright, makes the use of his height. And he's got that deceptive pace and he's got that, um, as we know, a pretty wicked bouncer. So that's something that... Our team has got to sort of um, analyse a bit and work out how, how to play there because it was um, it was pretty effective in this test match. But um, I thought today uh, Travis Head and Manus Labuschagne were fantastic and really a couple of young guys stepped up to the plate today, which is what the team's been looking for. So we can definitely take some positives out of. It. But yeah, he is a, um, you know, a very impressive bowler for sure. We saw you speaking to Manus up on the team balcony. What were, you, what were you speaking to him about? Uh, I'll probably tell you after the fifth test, but um, <laughs> okay. oh, look, it was yeah, it's a it's a lesson really, and he, he's a really good kid. He's a very good listener, and he's very coachable, and I love his attitude, and he's he's out there trying to improve every day. And I thought that was a courageous innings. So, yeah, it flawed on naught, played missed the first four balls. It was overcast conditions. I mean, it won't get any tougher than that. I thought he played an outstanding innings, um, and you know perhaps 
he could have done differently then. So that's that's something he can learn from for sure. Um, and that's um, you know he took took what I said on board, and I probably wasn't the only one that said it to him, but I think he could have potentially done it a little bit different at the end. Um, he did a fantastic job, but he would have loved to have seen it through, and he's obviously a bit unlucky with the dismissal. Big news out of this game, Steve Smith being concussed and replaced by Marnes. Mm. What was it like when you were sitting up in the dressing room and you saw Steve Smith cop that blow? I think it was scary. I mean, uh, you know, before that was sort of, you know, I was trying to sort of calm down Nathan Lyon and he was sweating up a bit watching this, <laughs> watching proceedings and having a bit of a laugh and then all of a sudden that happened and sort of just um, everyone was a bit sombre after that because it was, it looked, you know, it looked ugly and it was awkward and hit the ground so everyone held, held their breath for a couple of seconds obviously to make sure it was okay. So that was, it was a scary moment because um, he just got hit in a really bad position and went down heavily. So, And obviously for the guys that have been involved in what happened before, it was, um, you know, it, it was tough for them to watch. And he, before that, he got hit in the arm. Are you surprised that more guys don't wear those arm guards or is that something that's really restrictive when you're batting? Uh, look, I was never a big f- wearer of arm guards myself. I didn't like feeling restricted and I copped a couple in the arm. And when you get hit, there, it comes up like a hematoma, so... You can bat on with it, but I think that the problem is a couple of days later when it bleeds into your, the blood seeps down, so you've got to be really mindful of getting a lot of ice on the next couple of days. But I think some of our guys may have a look at some arm guards and a bit more protection because um, his short ball is he's certainly at your body. He, um, that's the strength of his short ball at the moment. It doesn't go down leg side, it doesn't go offside. It's, it's very much arrowed in at you, so you've got to be on your best behaviour to play it. You're obviously a big fan of test cricket, um, do these past two test matches make you think that test cricket has a long and healthy future? Oh, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, they've, they've been fantastic so far. I think the good thing about it is that the bowlers are in the game. That's That makes a good test match. Um, I'm not a big believer in size getting 500 each. I don't think that's great for the game, but batsmen have really had to work hard in these first two test matches. And, it, um, you know, it, it puts your technique under the microscope and good bowlers can certainly put pressure on. And um, I think if you're scoring around 250, 300, you're going to get a result. So... It's, uh, it's been a tough examination for the batsmen. I can't see it getting much easier in the next three tests. So, yeah, from our point of view, we need to score big and score big in the first innings. You've been, you've done a bit of work in the background over the years, but this is the first time you've sort of been back in the rooms for a while. How, what have you made of the experience and yeah, what's, what's opened it, your eyes? <laughs> oh, lots of things. But they're, they're really a bunch of blokes and they're, they're, you know, they're um, yeah, very professional. They, they train hard. They... They enjoy playing and they see it as the same sort of privilege we do playing for Australia, so there's no difference there. They, they see it as a huge honour to play for Australia. Um, so we've got that in common. Um, yeah, and obviously the, the days seem to be longer, the Test Match days. And here we are talking at quarter to nine after a game, so it's, um, there's not a lot of downtime, which is... Um, I feel a little bit sorry for the guys. that they're, they're at the ground a lot and there's a lot of pressure, so they don't get to chill out and relax as much as we did. Um, they get a lot of support, obviously, from... you know people around the team um, so yeah it's, it's I probably need to sit down and digest a bit it's sort of all been a bit of a, a wall in the last couple of weeks I've really enjoyed it they you know, say so, um, you know really um, it, it's a team on the up I think they're, they're maturing as a team and they're finding their identity and this series is a big opportunity for them can you see yourself returning in a, a similar role a little bit later on uh, I, I enjoy that sort of role I mean I've done it with the Olympics and uh, some other you know, organizations um, yeah I like it how it's not too formal it's more the one-on-one stuff away from, um, you know, away from I guess the ground. A lot of my work is sort of done in the nets, maybe, or in the hotel, or going for a walk in the morning. It's, it's I think it's observing with um, with fresh eyes. And if I can get the players feeling more confident and relaxed, I see that as my role. And also for the coaching staff and the people around the team. It um, sometimes, 
you're with the same people for a long period of time and you do the same things over and over again and maybe sometimes it's good for someone to come and just check it out from a different point of view and maybe see things a little bit differently. And you head back to Australia and you've got to get back on the bike, don't you? Definitely got to get back on the bike. I've been uh, pretty slack and I've had far too many um, desserts <laughs> at Lord's. I think I've had one every, every lunchtime. So those sponge cakes with custard and ice cream... Um, you're only yeah. human, Steve. I, mean, I am only human, but, but Murgis doesn't go for it, so you know, I'm not sure what the go is there. But, um, You've been eating his very, as well. Well, he hasn't been eating, eating any. He's, <laughs> he's very, um, very professional and, yeah, unlike myself, with the desserts. Right, so there's three tests left in this series. Where do you see it going and, and can Australia be that the team since your last uh, time here to, to Yeah, the they streak? definitely can. This, this is a series that's going to be very close. I think they're evenly matched sides and we've seen that in two test matches. It goes up and down, it fluctuates. It really depends on who wins the big moments. We had an opportunity last night to, to really um, you know, have a huge impact on this match. We missed, missed a couple of chances, a couple of referrals. We didn't go away or we didn't, didn't use our referrals. So if we'd taken those, then it could have been a different result. But England will say the same in the first test. Mm. They had a chance to put us away. So it comes down to who is uh, consistent and who wins the big moments. And uh, we're capable of doing that. I think we can win the series. And England will probably say that they think they can win the series. So it's going to make for a great three test matches. Rainbow, we're back. Uh, just to knock over some categories to wrap up this second test match. And let's bit get of out. housekeeping. Bit of housekeeping, yeah. But let's do our three, two, one votes. Uh, the man of the match was Ben Stokes. Does that mean he automatically gets the three votes from, from us? Uh, not necessarily. These things can be put uh, up to conjecture. I would have thought that Jofra Archer had a reasonable case mm. to be man of the match. Um, he might not have on raw number of wickets taken, but I think if you look at the player who had the biggest impact on the match... They would have to be Joffre, I would have thought, not just for his wickets, but for his um, putting Steve Smith out of the match. And in doubt for the third game, and then who knows what it's going to look like after Leeds. Uh, let's give him the three votes. Stokes for two, then? I think we can put a slot him in for two, because he even bowled a few overs uh, as did. well. Fantastic 100, his seventh in Test cricket. And the one vote, what about Steve Smith? He got the 92, eight runs short of scoring his fourth consecutive Ashes 100 in England, his third in a row against England, uh, those two in the first Test match uh, as well. Um, do we get to get one? Or does someone like uh, Stuart Broad who took four wickets in the first innings? Maybe Pat Cummins who took six wickets across the game and batted well? Uh, true. And I think Steve Smith, you can probably, because he was two players, so Ooh. the vote that Manus Labuschagne might have got can go to Steve Smith because they were basically the same person when Manus was subbed into the game. Um, and as Tim Payne said at the end of match press conference, they were actually, Australians were asking if they could get two players to sub in because Steve Smith averages 60 in Test cricket. Not many other players even get close to that. So that was refused. <laughs> yes, but, uh, Russ Manigali said no, you can't do that. We can split one that one vote between Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne who can be Steve Smithashane or something. Sounds good. Uh, and Travis said it played very well as well, but uh, we're going to give it to Steve Smithashane, <laughs> whatever his name is. All right, the turning point in the game, uh, is it as clear as Smith being ruled out? I think so. I yeah. think uh, given the runs that he scored in the first test when he made 280 and they won by 250, he was 90, or well, he was 80 not out when he was hit and uh, Australia were sort of looking at a, if not a first innings lead, then certainly um, solidifying their position and all that changed when he was hit, when he went yeah. off, he came back out, didn't add many runs because he was struggling with his sore arm. Um, well, yeah, that's right. I was going to say that happened 10 runs earlier when he got hit flush on that left forearm. He couldn't even grip the bat. 
which would have made uh, facing Archer from then on even more difficult. That's right. Not to mention the uh, the, the effect of having to go back out and face the guy who's just uh, floored you. That mm. would have uh, been taken a lot out of him. But um, and as you pointed out, Samuel, the uh, changes that are meant to the fielding when England yes. came back out to bat. That's right. With Steve Smith off the field, David Warner goes to first slip. Uh, he was there for the fast bowls, dropped one, but then he doesn't normally field there for the spinners and missed one to his right off Ben Stokes and then dropped one to his left off Ben Stokes. He was only on six. He ends up making 115, so that was a, another turning point. I guess we can go back even further. Can we? Can the turning point for this game be in the first test match? I think if we keep turning, we end up facing in the same direction as we started, but <laughs> we'll give it a go. Well, you know, Jimmy Anderson, if he wasn't ruled out of that game, if he was fit, Joff Archer might not be playing in this game. That is, uh, is that a sliding doors moment or is that just a uh, one of those? It's not one of the categories, so we'll stick with a we'll stick with turning point. We have a new category just called dumb luck. Dumb luck, yes. Well, there you go. I mean, talking about dumb luck, I mean, uh, how good is England going? Just uh, they're the number one one day team in the world, and a matter of months out from the World Cup, Joff Archer becomes eligible for selection, and he goes a long way to winning the the World Cup, and then now he's playing Test match cricket and probably their most potent fast bowler. Uh, true, that's, uh, I'm not sure whether that's luck or that's very good planning. Um, good timing. Good timing. There was also some good timing here during the test. It seemed like every time that Australia went out to bat, the clouds came over mm. and the floodlights went on at Lords. Um, I'm pretty sure that's beyond even uh, Trevor Bayliss's organisational capabilities to get the clouds coming in, but it's just one of those strange little coincidences that uh, whenever Stuart Broad seemed to get the new ball in his hand, um, over it would come and the lights would come on. It was uh, very dramatic. It was very dramatic. Okay, haven't seen that before, this category. I'm going to go with uh, the concussion, concussion sub, which is true because it's the first time it's ever happened in Test Match Cricket. Smith... I thought oh, I hadn't seen it before. That's right. Smith had arrived to the ground on Sunday, had a good night's sleep, but woke up feeling a bit groggy and had a headache. Didn't uh, pass his concussion test, revealed they had a mild concussion. Uh, so then the Australian team lodged a concussion substitute uh, form to the match referee, Rajam Gali. And in terms of like-flight replacements, they're pretty lucky with a right-handed batsman who bowls leg spin uh, replaced with a right-handed batsman who bowls some leg spin. So he got he got uh, approved. There were no conditions on how he can play. Um, never seen it before, but it seemed to work pretty well, um, minus... Scoring a very valuable half century tonight to deny England the win. Uh, yes, that uh, probably tops all other categories of uh, not having seen it before because it was a genuine first mm. in world cricket. There's also, I'm not sure if it comes into their thinking when they make like for like replacements, but Manus has admitted he's a bit of a batting nuffy who likes to hold his bat and look at his bat and tap his bat in his room, which is exactly what Steve Smith does. So I don't know if those likenesses need to extend off-field, but uh, certainly they couldn't have found a more similar person. And you're afraid that Manus is getting typecast. Well, he was... Uh, his first involvement in Test cricket was as a sub-fielder at a test in the Gabba where he, he took a catch at short leg and his name became known not just because of the, the tangle of consonants that it uh, includes, but also because of his uh, obviously skills fielding close to the wicket. So... He became known as a bit of a super sub. Mm. Now he's the super duper sub because he's actually gone from <laughs> completely off the team sheet into batting at four in a test match and making a half century. And he pointed out to us that he's the first player to be uh, stung with fake fielding. I don't even know what fake fielding is. Is that like fake news? Uh, kind of, but uh, it's more substantial, I think. You actually fake fielding, you get penalised five runs. Fake news doesn't what, really you mean anything. You pretend you've picked up the ball when you haven't got it? or That's right. You pick it up and you... Um, feigned to throw at the stumps 
might off-put the batsman. So then they stutter and they get thrown off by it. And they go, well, hang on, that's deception. We don't want that. But you haven't got the ball, so how can that be? Any... It's all an illusion. It's all fake. It's like fake news. Anyway, he's the first one that got uh, got pink for that as well. The other one, I mean, has there been a taboo like Joffre Archer's? I mean, that was just absolutely thrilling. Uh, yeah, we have seen some remarkable test taboos, but don't forget Nathan Lyon took a wicket with his first ball in test yes. cricket. Uh, Were you there for Brett Lee's debut? I was there for Brett Lee's debut against India at Boxing Day test. That was pretty stunning, um, five wickets. But yeah, just, someone said before the game that Joffre's the sort of guy that might likely get a wicket in his first over of test cricket because he's that kind of bowler. And sure enough, second ball he bowled. I don't think it sort of hooped past the stumps. I think it went once around the stumps. Everyhow. It swung so violently back in towards Cameron Bancroft. And, it was like uh, the turning points. It just kept going around and around. Johnny Bairstow couldn't get hold of it going down the leg side, so I'm not really sure how he did that. But how he didn't have a wicket in his first over is uh, another one of those mysteries. Hmm. Let's, uh, let's talk about some unforgettable moments in this game. Uh, I guess we're going to keep bringing it up, but uh, I just remember when Steve Smith got hit, there was just that collective gasp from everybody, and, and it went completely silent. Nobody spoke. Everyone, everyone was just transfixed on what was happening out in the middle. Smith falling to the ground. The good signs were that he removed his helmet straight away. The players around him were concerned, but didn't seem you know drastically concerned. And he rolled over to his side. And he was moving around. The medical staff came over, but just for those those first fifteen or so seconds after everything that's happened in the past in the recent five or so years, pretty scary and certainly something that uh, I won't forget. Uh, no, a very sobering moment. And it just had a strange feeling to it because it had been building and building. Though Archer had hit him in the arm and then mm-hmm. bowled a couple more short balls and he was clearly struggling to to pick them and deal with them partly because of his arm, partly because of the pace. So the, the crowd was kind of getting more and more involved and animated and suddenly that happened and there was just, as you say, a silence. So it was uh, it was quite eerie in a way. It certainly was. The other one, it's got to be overlooked now. Nathan Lyon has equaled Dennis Lee for the... Third most test wickets for Australia, 355 wickets uh, for DK and the GOAT. Um, what an achievement for Nathan Lyon. There was a, it was a bit rough patch there a couple of years ago in 2016 after Australia got bowled out for 85 in Hobart. They were looking at uh, rebuilding the team and Nathan Lyon's name was up there. But uh, he retained his spot and he's gone from strength to strength and uh, you would have to think at Leeds he's going to be the uh, sole outright uh, third highest wicket taker for Australia. You'd have to think his average of four wickets per test probably didn't have his best day at the office today. Um, went nope. wicketless on the uh, the day five pitch, but um, did have a number of opportunities missed. Those couple of catches that we mentioned earlier on, a couple of LBW reviews that weren't taken that probably would have got him a wicket. Um, so yes, he should go past the great DK. It doesn't actually how much test crickets changed when DK retired. He was the leading wicket taker in the world with 355. Mm. Now that benchmark's 800, and Nathan will be oh, he'll be old and bald if he ever gets past Morley's 800 wicket mark. Well, he's already one of those things. He's only 31, so uh, if he gets to 800, that's a fair effort. Can he get there, Rambo? He can. There are some who think if he plays another 10 years, that's, uh, you know, let's say that's another 80 or 90 test matches. If he takes four wickets a test, that's another 360 wickets on top of... 360-ish that he's got now, so it still leaves him a few short. He may have to play into his early 40s. The good news is that uh, he's very injury-free. He has played 60-odd consecutive tests. He he bowls off-spins, so it doesn't have as much wear and tear on your body as bowling fast. 
And as Shane Warne showed, as you get older and older, you grow more hair. So by the time he's finished playing, he may have a full head and uh, he might look like a 26-year-old. Splendid. Okay, the forgettable moments. Uh, let's go England and Joe Root out for his first golden duck in Test Match Cricket. Uh, Pat Cummins steaming in. He'd just removed Jason Roy, who had another forgettable Test Match. Dropped a couple of catches. Didn't score many runs again. His position, no doubt, will come under threat uh, for that third Test Match. But uh, Joe Root hasn't happened in before. It really was a, uh, a Test Match at first, wasn't it, Rambo? Uh, and Joe Root copped a good one from Pat Cummins and he was uh, on his way for a Golden Globe. It's pretty extraordinary to think how many Test Matches Joe Root's played. I think it's in the 80s, isn't it? That he's, uh, Somewhere around there, yeah. Um, not made a Golden Duck, which is pretty remarkable because, uh, as we all know, Nort's the most... Prevalent score in cricket, yes. um, and you're going to get a good one first up at some point. Uh, that was a good one. Um, Steam in, he probably did well to get a nick on it, as it turned out. Uh, so um, he's looked a bit frustrated at times, Joe Root. He had a couple of innings that cut short in at Edgbaston, um, didn't get going here. Uh, who knows, Headingley might be a happier hunting ground for him. Mm. And then for the Australians, uh, the opening combination hasn't gone that great. This series, I think the six innings between uh, Cameron Bancroft and David Warner, they've got about 80-odd 80, 80 runs between them. Uh, David Warner has got four single-figure scores. The second time that's happened in his career, the last time was six years ago. What do we think about David Warner? He's been out four times around the wicket. Um, class player, Tim Payne said, you know, he's played 70 test matches, average is 50. So he obviously knows what he's doing, but he's got a bit of a hole to climb out of. Uh, yeah, there's clearly a strategy they've got. England bowling around the wicket at him, uh, targeting his stumps, as they like to say, as they in the modern vernacular, bringing his stumps into yeah. play. I always thought the stumps were in play, but I'm uh, kinda clearly makes, not. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you hit them, they're out. I would have thought so. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, no, that's not true. I mean, there was one ball that hit the stumps in the first test from James Pattinson, and it wasn't out. There is that as well. Yes. Um, and it's very often that you see the stumps removed not being hit, but that maybe that's happened as well. Okay. Um, but this, they said they were targeting stumps. This time he's sort of nicked off, uh, as they like to say, in the second innings. Jofra Archer coming around the wicket to him. Um, just think that you've got a feeling today he might, he might have been away because he, he hit a uppish drive off Stuart Broad to get off the mark for four, and you thought maybe you know, this is the thing that will turn it around. His luck might be in for a bit. He gets a few out of the middle and suddenly he's off because he, he's a very, very good player, as we know. But the moving ball, it, uh, it tests you, and as an opening batsman, you're getting it when it's at its newest. Mm, okay, a rapid stat. You got a rapid stat? Uh, it's good because I've got one. It's about midnight. Yes, it's good. We're, getting, we're getting close. Uh, now, Stray had never lost uh, a test at Lord's when they had won the toss and elected to bowl, and that stat remains in place. How many times has it happened? It was five times before this test match, so it's six out of six, Australia. If they come to the Lords and win the toss and bowl first, they ain't going to lose. Well, that's good, because uh, I was wondering how many test matches there's been where the coin toss didn't even take place until day two. Have you got a rapid stat on that? Uh, no. Where's your research team? Oh no, they're down the pub. <laughs> they're, down, yeah, they're, they're well and truly, they're really truly on it, aren't they? Uh, okay, let's wrap this up. What does it all mean? It means Australia have a one-nil series lead. It means they really only have to win one more Test match to re- retain the Ashes, which is what they've come over here to do. Um, with three games left, advantage Australia. Uh, yes, and it also means there's been a pretty remarkable turnaround. So. Pretty sure I'll be sitting down after the Edge Best and Test thinking, wow, that was impressive. 251 run mm. win 
the questions were England without James Anderson, um, how can they bounce back um, and find a way of changing what happened at Egypt and also dominating Australia, which they did. And without putting too fine a point on it, it was Anderson's injury and Joffre's inclusion that uh, probably brought that moment about. So um, I don't know if that means it's a momentum shift. We've had this discussion before about momentum and whether it can shift. We don't think it can, but uh, mm. maybe in this case, Joffre, who can, seems to do anything, has managed that as well. Yes. Well, you've written a book on physics. Is momentum, can that be transferred from test to test? Can, is it, how does it work? No, no, I think it needs to it's be... It's not somewhere uh, on the periodical it, table it, somewhere? It, it jumps in quantum layers oh. um, in, in quarks. Uh, oh, right. The way that it's transmuted. But Through so osmosis or something. I've actually just right? talked gibberish there. Okay, fantastic. Uh, what are we thinking about uh, for changes for this team? You'd have to think Smith in a race against time to be fit for the Leeds Test match. He's, he's hopeful. Uh, Tim Payne said that he'll pretty much do everything he can to play in that test match, but only three days away. Um, concussions normally take a week, different for all kinds of different people, but uh, generally, rule of thumb, a week. Um, if that's the case, no Smith for Leeds. Uh, minus Labuschagne just retain his spot. You'd have to think that they're probably a little less anxious about that scenario now than they were a day ago, given the way that Manus came in and batted, made 50 like, at very short notice against some pretty hostile bowling in very difficult conditions. Um, and also they'd be heartened by Travis Head's innings, um, a couple of guys in the young guys in the middle order who uh, stood up, as they say. Um, but yeah, obviously a team without Smith is going to be um, significantly weakened, so mm. um, it's difficult to imagine with only three days, a travel day, a full training day, and then a sort of optional training day before the test starts um, how he's going to show that his reflexes and everything against fast bowling are back to test match standard because um, you certainly wouldn't want to put him in harm's way and risk being injured no when he's got you want Smith to play every test match obviously but he's got just over two weeks between the end of the second test and the start of the fourth test in Manchester so that's a, that's a big chunk of time to get ready go in there face fast bowling there is that derby tour game if he the derby tour game yeah if he wants to really test your skills again they might not be express fast bowls the Derbyshire bowlers but uh, nonetheless fast bowling is fast bowling you might be able to go there and, and just see where he's at and then be ready to play in that fourth test match they're probably England, Australia are probably going to change their fast bowling attack as they have done in each test so far this series Josh Hazel took three weeks and was very impressive on day two which was really only day one because of the washout on day one so it was day two but day one he took three wickets. Pat Cummins has bought a lot of overs, bought a lot of bounces in that first innings. Um, and then Peter Sill has played uh, two test matches as well. James Pattinson is waiting in the wings. Uh, I think Tim Payne pretty much flagged that he's going to play the third test match. And we've still got Mitchell Stark who hasn't played a game. So how the fast bowling... And uh, Michael Nisa hasn't played a game. And Michael Nisa hasn't played a game. Uh, how that fast bowling attack uh, shapes up will be very interesting. Uh, true. Um, you'd have to think there'd be... What did you say? At least one change with Pattinson coming in. Whether they'd look at Peter Siddle, who's you know, 34 and bowled quite a few overs in two Test matches, um, given the short turnaround, whether that's something they keep in mind or they have some strategy. I don't know what the wicket at Headingley has played like in the recent. It's been a while since Australia's played a Test at Headingley, I think. Mm. Um, so that'll come into considerations. But um, I think it's almost a given that there'll be a different three seamers in at least one respect, to what was played here. Yeah. Patterson in for maybe... what's the, the Cummins one's a tough one because he's bowled so many overs. He's a more than one test bowler. 
to leave him out, who's also a very handy batsman. It's a big call, but if you bring Pattinson in, probably equal with the bat. Very close with the ball. Um, big selection calls coming up. Big selection calls. What about England? What do you think we're going to do with England? I mean, James Anderson unlikely to be fit, so you'd have to think that their fast bowling attack will be very similar with Broad, Wokes and Archer. Um, the only thing, a question mark there is uh, the form of uh, of Jason Roy, we touched on before, hasn't set the world on fire at all in these no, matches. No, Jason Roy uh, has done a lot of opening in first-class cricket and uh, it shows, I think, he's, mm-hmm. uh, and looks, even that slips catch he dropped tonight, which was by slips catch standards, fairly straightforward. You start to think that his confidence is probably starting to ebb. Um, I don't know, the good luxury for England is they can pluck a opening, specialist opening batsman out of the county system. It doesn't have to be in the squad. Mm. Um, so I don't know what their options are, but uh, that's certainly one they'd be looking at. They would like a few more runs at the top of the order because Rory Burns has looked very good. Yep. Um, doesn't look good, but he's been effective. He's looked unusual, but he's yep. made significant runs. That's all that matters. And the scorebook doesn't say how you got him. No. It says there, you got him. There's no aesthetics uh, category in this podcast, is there? That's why we do it. So no that's that's why it's not video. That's exactly right. Very good. I think that's it. Have we missed anyone? Well, we were critiqued last week about forgetting to mention Matthew Wade, even though I think we did. But uh, I think Matthew Wade was fantastic in the first test. Um, yes. He got an absolute belter of a ball here in the first innings of the second test and came in under enormous pressure on the last day with men around the bat and uh, squeezed a catch but he was very good in the field and uh, I think uh, we've mentioned him now we've we? mentioned him yes is uh, we do the squad will be one person lighter as we've touched on Steve Ward not going to be around but Ricky Ponting does come over and he's as a broadcaster so we might see RT Ponting around the Australian setup is it Acceptable to sit in the Sky commentary box in your Australian training kit. It's a little bit partisan, isn't it? I'm not sure. We'll have to find out and see. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? We will. We will. Well, that's it from us here at Lords. Thank you, Rambo, and thank you to our friends at MasterCard. We're going to be back next week to recap all the action from the third test and look ahead to that Derby Tour game. But until then, for all your breaking news, Live scores in video highlights on the ashes. There's only one place to go. It's cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.